Welcome to Listen by Jean Ginsberg. This audio experience and podcast is all about social media, digital marketing, entrepreneurship, and interviews with top entrepreneurs in the digital and social space. I'm your host, Jean Ginsberg, digital marketing expert, number one best-selling author, and award-winning entrepreneur. I will be sharing with you strategies, tips, and tactics on how to grow your business and your social media following. Thanks for listening. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I'm very excited that we have a guest today, Samuel Hill. How are you? I'm doing well, Jane. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, I'm I'm very glad that you're here. Um, I love having guests on the show. And our first question always that we ask our guests to kind of give our audiences some context is give us a little bit about your background and how you ended up where you are now. I mean, how much time do we have? I mean, this could take another three <laughs> podcast episodes. So we'll we'll do the truncated version. Okay, okay, the short version. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've been in cybersecurity and uh, kind of the marketing for cybersecurity for, for some time now. Um, I worked at large companies as a sales rep and then moved into the marketing space because I felt like I wanted the opportunity to stretch my wings as a leader and, and try on new challenges and uh, made my way into the startup world. And this is my third Israeli cybersecurity startup. And so if you've worked with an Israeli cybersecurity startup, you know they have um, some uniqueness about them. There's some uh, very beautiful and fun cultural elements and you work hard, you work fast, and you can usually uh, hopefully make a big difference in the world. So that's a little bit of how I got to where I am today. Oh, okay. Um, a lot to unpack there. I don't know <laughs> much about working with Israeli cybersecurity. I'm assuming that they're probably like, you know, pretty legit because, you know, they have to keep a lot of things secure. There is a lot going on there, obviously. So Team 8200 in the Israeli Defense Force is one of the top cybersecurity units in the world. And um, I, I don't know, I don't know what metric you would use, but in Tel Aviv, they have so many cybersecurity focused startups and, and most of them have come out of the military in Israel and they have an incredible cyber command there. So a lot of young people that have really cool ideas to try and solve really big problems and um, it's a fascinating, fascinating market, fascinating scene, and very interesting technology. So that's that's the fun part. So the challenge becomes now you have these brilliant, I mean, beyond brilliant founders of incredible cybersecurity technology. How do we help move that into the place where it can actually be communicated in a way that people who have the problems that the technology could solve can understand, and then we can meet and we can figure out how to mutually help uh, everyone else in that process. So that's that's the fun part of the job, in my opinion. Great. And then you mentioned that you were in cybersecurity, but then now are in marketing. So mm -hmm. tell us about what you're doing now. Yes, I'm the director of product marketing for a company called Ciolo Security. And we focus on providing zero trust access for every single user. We've seen a lot of really fun things happen in the space. You know, really our premise is, is fundamentally every company in the world has a scenario where user access could cause just enormous damage to their business. And every company's got, it's unique to each individual organization. You know, it could be the shutdown of a manufacturing line. It could be the, the breach of very privileged and sensitive and regulated information. It could be, I mean, you name it. There's a whole laundry list of reasons why this could cause enormous damage to the business. And our platform exists to prevent all of that and to find a simple way to make that a lot easier for people to have the controls they need to securely enable their business. Great. And um, so just a little bit more detail, like what specifically in terms of cybersecurity, like is it attacks that you work against or is it like everything? 
Uh, maybe yeah, so, you kind of share a little bit about background again for the audiences who are like the layman who's not not familiar, yeah. including me who's not very familiar with cybersecurity. <laughs> yeah, not 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 a problem. Sorry, I, I, if I'm if I'm if I'm using cyber speak, please tell me, and I'll I'll try and explain it in ways that um, it would make sense to to myself. Um, so before getting into marketing, I was I was a sales rep. I, I worked for some large companies, uh, uh, major Bay Area tech staples, if you will. And uh, I sold to a lot of really cool companies and had a lot of uh, great experiences, learned an absolute enormous amount, and then moved into marketing because I found uh, I have kind of a natural bent towards storytelling and I like communicating and I thought I would try my hand. I knew I could do sales semi-successfully and I didn't know if I could do marketing. And so I kind of landed in the, the idea of product marketing, which gets to combine the, the product, working with the product developers, those really brilliant women and men who write software code and I can't do that myself, but that's what they do. And I get to work with them. I get to work with our sales organizations who are out there trying to communicate the value of what we can help solve our marketing teams. And kind of get to be that person in the middle of all of that, which I, I, when I landed in that role, I realized I love this. This is, this is a fascinating role and it's, it kind of keeps me busy and keeps me going and engages all the different sides of my brain. So that's been really, really fun. And I didn't know how much I loved it until I got to start doing it. Awesome. And um, so, yeah, what does the company do specifically in terms of like protecting, I guess, protecting in terms of cybersecurity? Yeah. So one of the biggest threats to companies today is uh, the fact that really the hackers out there, the bad guys, they're no longer breaking into systems. They just log in and the way that they log in. So really, can you call them a hacker if they're using valid credentials? Now, right. They may yeah, because they're not really hacking. They're just, there's the password and the login. It's right here. And I'm yeah. in. <laughs> I mean, all of us in our personal lives, we're, we're probably guilty of some poor cybersecurity practices. You know, I don't have to admit it in public, but do you ever share a password amongst multiple websites? Because good grief, who wants to remember, you know, a hundred passwords for a hundred different websites? It's not, not, so there's a lot of things that go into to that, but, but users are really incredibly risky for cybersecurity. However, without users, you don't have a company and you don't work. And so there's this really tense balance between users and keeping them secure. So Ciolo provides the layers of control that companies need to allow their users to work however, wherever, whenever they want, and still um, remain safe and prevent those bad guys from logging into their network. Gotcha. So, and what kind of companies do you typically work with? Is it mostly enterprise or small or small business or any, any kind of company that needs cybersecurity? Yeah, we kind of have the operating maxim that the larger the company, the larger the problem. And we've focused on that space of the market specifically. And so we've seen, you know, very large global manufacturers to uh, multi-billion dollar insurance agencies to uh, pharmaceutical and life science companies who have all adopted the solution to help uh, solve some of these challenges. Right. And uh, what are some of the main, I guess, challenges that yeah. you are typically seeing? Is it just like hackers logging in because they have the password? Is that the typical problem that you're solving for? Yeah, that's, that's, that is a huge problem. Let me, let me give an example. So one of our customers is a, a large global manufacturer of packaged goods or packaged food. Um, they make cookies that go really great in milk and you typically, you know, separate them and there's delicious parts on the inside. I wonder which, uh, which, which, which organization that might be. I mean, they have one version that's like regular and then they have a double version. And I don't know why anybody buys the regular version. So yeah, I, I think there's a mint version and uh, probably yeah, rainbows and unicorns version. <laughs> all, all delicious. Um, so obviously for them as a business, the enormous damage would be that that cookie production shuts down. Oh my God. That's like a disaster to the world. 
world. I mean, to the, to the world, we have to save humanity from yeah. a lack of cookie production. So I'm yeah. glad we all agree. And what they found is that they have all of these pieces of equipment that are making the cookies. It's, you know, shocker. It's not some person in a bakery whipping up cookies. It's a bunch of machines that have very specific processes and do very um, calibrated work. And these machines are now being connected digitally. They're being connected to the internet in ways that were never thought of 20 years ago when those machines were put into service. And so to now we have this moment where this machine that's making cookies can be accessed via the internet. So what are the bad guys going to do? Well, they're going to want to log into that machine and um, do something that's going to force this company to pay them an exorbitant amount or some other nefarious reason. It, we just, we got to prevent that. Destroy cookie production. Oh my yeah. God. I, I, I am like, I'm at my wit's end right now. I mean, if, if we had reason to not like these people that are, are performing cybercrime, we now have extra reason. So do not stop cookie production. Keep it going. Um, so another thing that happens though, is that these connections are really for good reasons. So if you have, you know, if you're the company that made that machine that's being used in the production line, you want to be able to not fly a technician halfway around the world to that machine, have them go up to it and plug in and whatever the reason they're going to do that, it's going to install new software, going to perform some maintenance. Maybe they can do that from their living room or their, their office or wherever. So now you need an internet connection to do that. And that poses risk. So how does this company manage that risk? Well, they use Ciolo to make sure that they know exactly who is logging in, that they put very specific restrictions on what that person can get to, like they can only get to this one specific device or machine that's within the scope of their contract. And they can get in there for exactly 15 minutes, because that's all the allotted time that we're going to give them for that work. And then when they're done, they're going to have all of that access completely rescinded and not be able to get back in until the, the company approves it again, you know, so those kind of controls really help to give them um, a layer of protection against things that are outside their environment that they really don't want getting in. A, a seemingly difficult problem of cybersecurity for a seemingly very easy, I guess, conceptual uh, thing like cookie production. Yeah. <laughs> it gets harder I mean, than it gets more difficult and then it gets yeah. more easy. <laughs> I mean, you think about it, right? And it's, it's the biggest problems are typically those that you're like, Oh yeah, that is a problem. We should probably solve that. Like it, it's, and unfortunately, a lot of times it's it's a kind of business as usual. They have to make these connections. You have to allow this stuff to happen, right. but you don't really feel great about it as a company. But uh, with Silly, you feel a little bit better about it. That's that's kind of our main premise. Um, and yes, yeah, uh, kind of piggybacking off of the concept of um, the you know difficult to easy. How do you? What is your unique value proposition? Like, how do you communicate to your prospective clients? that what this, this is what you guys make is what they need. You know, I'm a big fan. Like I said, I'm a big fan of storytelling and I love to communicate in ways. Uh, I think as humans, you know, we all grew up listening to stories, hearing stories, reading stories. I mean, I think of my childhood and the great books that I read and being transported to new, we're, we're storytelling people. We, we love stories. And in technology, it gets really easy to try and describe your technology. I, I can't tell you the number of times that I've, I've worked with a very technical person who's like, well, if they just saw it, if they just looked at our platform, if they saw the technology, they would love it. When in reality, we need to connect it to a story that that person is living in. That, that you know, there's a reason why they're, they're, they're talking to us. They have a problem of some kind and they can't solve that problem by themselves. So they need someone to help them. And, 
you know, again, so that's the way that I look at it. So those, that's kind of the way we've built our messaging, our websites, our social channels, our, 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 all the different ways, our collateral, our presentations, our sales training, our pitches, our elevator pitches, all the different things that we put together all around. Let's tie this to a story. What's the, what's the problem that a company might be having. Now, this is challenging in some ways because again, the unique reason that would cause enormous damage to the business is going to be different for different companies. You know, they may not make cookies. They might, you know, have to keep insurance records safe. Those are those are things that are just very different. Not as much fun to talk about because the insurance records are not really, you know, exciting, but at the same time, it's a problem. All that to say, we need to tell stories that give examples that share, you know, so that the people can connect to Oh, yeah, I may not have that exact thing, but that reminds me of something. And let's talk about, you know, you get into that conversation and it goes from there. Yeah, I mean, you know, as humans, well, we sat around the fires and yeah. told stories back in the day, right? Yeah. So, uh, we have to kind of use that psychology for for marketing um, and share stories because that's what people really connect to and relate to. Um yeah. I'm, I'm glad that you're in marketing because a lot of the people that we uh, that I interview here are, are very tech, you know, petty mm-hmm. tech people. But uh, so I love talking about marketing because uh, I, I come from the marketing space as well. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned, you know, storytelling, you mentioned are you using that across your channels. So like, how are you, you know, as an example, how are you using social now for your organization? Yeah, so we use social. Our primary social media is LinkedIn because we found that the professional networking sites have been a little bit more productive for us. And I would say, um, as we've dialed in the messaging, as we've dialed in our storytelling, the the cadence, the 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 repeatability of our social presence has been probably the most effective thing. So we've really focused on, you know, growing our follower count and producing content that's actually digestible and engaging, uh, you know long before we're getting out there to say, now read about our product. you know, let's hear here's a product pitch. So, um, the other thing is, you know, our our founder is a um, a CISO. So one of our founders is the CISO is the chief information security officer. They're usually the woman or man who's in charge of the security operations for a company. And and he was the first CISO of the Israeli Navy. So he got to lead um, the cyber command for the Israeli Navy. And then he went and worked in the private sector and then founded our company. Uh, I have found his social media presence is highly effective for us because he is truly an expert, truly a thought leader you know, and today, like there's so many people that are pretending to be thought leaders, pretending to be experts on stuff, you know, and like uh, he he truly is. And so that's very valuable for us as well. So we've seen a lot of great performance um, for making sure we encourage and help him communicate effectively on his social channels too. Right. Yeah. I mean, a lot of that is bringing in that thought leader who's maybe like leader of the organization or some sort of executive um, and and using their thought leadership for the organization. Yeah, totally. Uh, totally makes sense. Um, and then in terms of what are you guys working on in terms of new projects or initiatives? I mean, how how can we be more, more secure? <laughs> yeah. You know, we are consistently iterating the product. We just hit our, our a milestone for us, which is our 4.0 product release. So the, the fourth major product release in our you know young company. So big moment for us. And so big celebration there. And what we've noticed, a lot of the things that have driven a lot of our product development specifically have come from our super users, our customers, the folks that are actively trying to break the product daily and and doing really cool stuff there. So a lot of great things that are coming from that feature perspective. Um, From uh, our perspective as well, uh, from a marketing perspective, 
One thing that I'm really focused on right now is how can we manage uh, both analyst relations and associations? So if you think about it, these groups of, of people who have an affinity around a common topic or, or industry, how can we help communicate in those spaces uh, effectively and partner with some of those organizations there? And then analysts, you know, if you're in marketing, you understand analyst relations is a, a fun game, but one that you have to play because they, they do uh, see a wide swath of the industry. So they got a lot of great insight and a lot of people really respect their opinions. You mean like, like, an, like financial analysts? Oh, sorry. Like technology analysts, oh, technology um, consultants. Analysts. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's firms out there that, you know, organizations will say, Hey, we're looking at solving this problem. What would you recommend? And then they, they partner with, with companies like us as well. And, and we ask them questions. Hey, we're struggling in this area. What advice would you have for us? What, how should we think about this? Um, it can be very useful, very helpful, but it really comes down to building relationships and getting to know individual people and, and working hard to help them be on your side. Yeah, absolutely. No, this is a, a, a big, I mean, security, cybersecurity is such a big conversation these days and such a big problem, right? I mean, we've yeah. seen so many examples of that in the news. Um, so there's so much opportunity and so many, yeah. so many things that can go wrong, I guess. And that's why uh, yeah. you, you guys are here, an organization yeah. like yours who can help solve for that. Um, so yeah, we, we, we really appreciate, uh, all the support for, uh, for keeping us safe. Um, yeah. one last question before we yeah. wrap up, um, I, I always like to ask this wild card question, um, is what is your prediction for the industry? And that could be specifically your industry, or you can yeah. talk about terraforming Mars, uh, self-driving <laughs> cars. I don't know. I mean, robots, whatever, whatever's <laughs> top of mind, or like, maybe I saw this news thing. Yeah. And I wanted to, and, I, and it got me thinking to X, Y, Z. <laughs> hey, hang on. Let me, let me ask chat GPT what it thinks really there quick. There you go. You should ask chat. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think, um, okay. So let me, I'll, I'll, I'll give this kind of broadly for the cybersecurity industry right now. One of the things facing the biggest challenges is that there's not enough left people that are working in cybersecurity for companies. Um, Amazon, I think, I mean, they're a massive company, but they have 1200 open roles in their cybersecurity team. So that's a, that's a lot of people. There are a lot of jobs out there and available. And I've written about this a fair amount, but I think that there are quite a few people that are coming out of, um, I would say specifically the service industry. I mean, if you want to talk about someone that can manage multiple priorities, ask someone who's managing six or seven tables at a busy restaurant on a Friday night. That multiple, pri I mean, you're talking about someone that knows how to you know, prioritize and multitask and, and probably has a great attitude while doing it. Those are really the essential skills for working in cybersecurity, along with a willingness to learn. And we, I, need, I think we need to see this shift from uh, getting people into the industry, into the business to help keep our companies safe and just have the, the resources to be able to execute the strategies that they have to keep their company safe. Uh, man, uh, human power, being power is, is a big issue for a lot of companies. So I think we'll see a shift there. Um, unfortunately, budgets aren't getting better, I think, across uh, many, many companies in the industry. So you're going to see a ton of consolidation. I think a lot of organizations from a cybersecurity perspective are going to prioritize uh, less products and less vendors and more holistic partnerships and solutions. And so that's going to be a really interesting thing. So um, and then, yeah, I think. You know, there's a lot of conversation around AI, a lot of conversation around machine learning, a lot of conversation around what's the next tool that's going to come out and um, will it be able to grow and, and catch on and, and do good? Or There's a lot of questions that are about that right now too, I think. So you mentioned, 
you know, so many available positions, even let's say on Amazon. So do you yeah. think there's a connection between that and AI or some sort of <sighs> way of writing code that doesn't involve as many humans? You know, I think there's definitely going to be a push for that. I actually, um, uh, some people that I know won a hacking competition and they used chat GPT to help write the software they use to execute um, a remote code execution. Which is, you know, this was in a controlled hack you know, contest environment. This wasn't out in the wild. They're they're security researchers and just brilliant humans, um, but they're using AI to help, you know, speed up their ability to write executable code. So I, we are going to see a lot of that. However, what AI can't do is the soft skills of cybersecurity. Because I mean, if you talk to any security leader, how do they get funding? How do they get extra budget from their CEO and their their board and their leadership teams? to do what they need to do. Those are soft skills. AI can't replace that. And ultimately at the end of the day, there's going to be a human who needs to take action on, say there's an alert, you know, the cookie line is going down. A human will need to take action to do something, right? The cookies. <laughs> Not the cookies. <laughs> sure. No, absolutely. Of course, there's going to be humans that would need to, you know, press a button at one point or another, but i always curious about, you know, everyone's thoughts on the future of work, right? How does yeah. that how does a chat GPT ish type system affect, you know, cybersecurity or anything, right? Yeah. Like in, in my industry, you know, digital marketing, like we're like, interesting, this thing can really take out some copywriters, even just initially, right? Because it yeah. can write, we've been, we've been testing out blog copy, uh, yeah. ad copy, landing page copy with chat GPT. Um, and no, yeah, it sounds pretty good. And this is just like the initial, right? Yeah. Thing, right. It's just the scratching the surface, right? Yeah. I'm sure there's going to be multiple iterations in the future of chat GPT. But then I had someone on my podcast maybe a month ago who just created an AI driven like video marketing type of platform, right? Mm. So you can like put in some prompts, you know, and, and kind of give it some ideas. And then it's going to create like a market, like a little short format, social media marketing video for you. Wow. Right. So right now we use humans for that but yeah. again this is just like scratching the surface um so i wonder what the future of work is going to look like for you know for for the copywriters or, yeah. or the yeah. cybersecurity people right <laughs> yeah well i think i think the, the thing that i always think about it with ai especially especially is um uh, it, it is such a highly biased platform because it's only based on what exists currently right 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 so it's it chat gpt is not creating out of thin air net new ideas it's it's pushing forward you know stuff that's already been written about something that was already created or thought up by a human someone who you know did that before so i think that's where the future of work is gonna have to really get to i mean ai can have powerful effects on helping to speed up work i mean absolutely i've i've used chat gpt to help inspire a couple of blogs or you know polish copy or things like that of course, we give it the human read and make sure that it's it's right. complete and good and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, um, if we want to do something new and creative and innovative, uh, AI is not going to really help us there. Who knows? Maybe it will. Maybe it will five, 10 years from now. I don't know. That, yeah. I, I'm not going to Well, I was that, thinking but. when you were saying that, like, yes, I mean, it's kind of consuming the information that yeah. is already existing. But what if there's information that's already been written but has not been Created yet, but that the a chat GPT could be consuming like some sort of you know 
Ray Bradbury, Fahrenheit yeah. 451 yeah. Tacogelio. Like yeah. it didn't exist in reality, but it could be consuming that content, right? And thinking about yeah. that in the future. So I don't know. I mean, it's it's possible, yeah. right? <laughs> or or content or content, you know, I mean, not to throw any shade at anything, but content that is really generally rejected as false, that all of a sudden can become more true somehow right. using an AI tool. Um, th those are things that I think you know, humans will always have a place or should always have a place in, in, in having kind of some oversight over that. So again, from the cybersecurity, right? yeah, we hope we Unless one day the matrix and then, and then we're screwed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Unplug me, man. I'm, I'm ready to go. Let's see. Yeah. Either that or teach me Kung Fu. One or the other. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Both maybe. <laughs> well, awesome. It, it was great to connect and always love chatting with other, um, technology marketing people. Um, yeah. Last question is how can our audience get in touch with you or your organization? Yeah, I'm fairly active on LinkedIn. You can find me my LinkedIn um, website. End tag is Samuel J. Hill and connect with me there. Love, love engaging with folks on LinkedIn in that space. And our website for the company is ciolo.io. It's C-Y-O-L-O.io. And, and Ciolo stands for because you only live once. So Hopefully that'll help people remember. Okay. I was wondering, I was like, what does CIOLO stand for? Yeah. Um, awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. Really great to connect and share some more about CIOLO for our audiences. And yeah, really appreciate it. Thank you, Gene. Thanks for having me.